The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Gold medals available today in archery, athletics, badminton, boxing, fencing, judo, rugby sevens, sailing, shooting, swimming, tennis, trampoline, triathlon and weightlifting. And oh my word, do we have a pack show for you today. One of the absolute highlights of the whole Olympic Games promises to be the women's 400 meter hurdles. We will hear from reigning world and Olympic champion Dalila Mohammed and current world record holder Sydney McLaughlin. But first, Mondo Duplantis represents Sweden and has pushed the boundaries of pole vault by breaking the world record. He missed out on becoming world champion to the USA's Sam Kendricks in 2019. But after spending the pandemic going back to basics at his boyhood US home, he's ready for action in Tokyo. Olympic Channel Podcast. I think one of the things that I am insanely jealous of is your absolutely awesome backyard setup for uh training i mean it's one thing training in like top quality facilities in like the, the best place in the world but there's nothing quite like you know the rough and ready spartan attitude of like home as well i was wondering like what is your ideal training setup yeah it's what's well, it's funny because you know i i hadn't jumped on the setup since i was maybe 15 years old until the quarantine hit. And I mean, to, when COVID hit and we kind of all had to go into quarantine and all the tracks and everything was closed. And so I hadn't jumped on it for, you know, a little over five years. And I didn't realize the setup was the, was the way it is until, until I did it. I, I, I mean, in my mind, it, it was like an Olympic stadium and it was the best thing that there was until, I, you know, until I've went out and kind of been on real tracks and everything like that. Now I realized that, you know, what I was jumping on probably wasn't the most suitable uh, suitable equipment that there is. But uh, I think for me, I just, I had the greatest memories in that backyard. I think it made me tough in a lot of ways since, you know, in some ways it, it, it wasn't, you know, the, the perfect, perfect setup, but, you know, it was good enough for me to jump all the time. It was super accessible to me and it was good enough for me to just have a good time back there. So, I mean, I owe everything to that backyard, really. I wouldn't be where I am right now without it. It's amazing the way, as a pole vaulter, you know, it, it's it, as a person watching it, it's very difficult to imagine yourself and put yourself in the shoes because it just looks so impossible. And uh, I think the mental strength as well as the physical strength is just insane when, you know, uh, in order to, to break world records and, and do everything that you've done. How do you clear your mind in order to, uh, into, in order to compete? I don't know. For me, it just feels supernatural at this point. Because, I mean, I feel like no matter what the competition is now, whether it's the Olympics or championships or, you know, whether it's just a small little home meet or anything, it, it's kind of the same mentality. It's it's still just the same event. It's still pole vault. It's still what I've been doing ever since I was just a little kid in my backyard. And I think I kind of I kind of channel that when I'm on the runway to where try not to make things too complicated. Uh, I've been doing this for a super long time and I know what I'm doing and I know what I need to do to be able to, you know, complete some good jumps. So. I just I try to keep it simple, and I just go out there and and do what I've been doing. And on the way down, it's so high up. On the way down, when you have done something amazing, 
Is that the best bit? <laughs> yeah, I would say it's a pretty good feeling. Because, I mean, kind of just when you're clearing that bar and you, and you know you've done it and you kind of get that that second or so of free fall to be able to just kind of enjoy the ride because, you know, the, the whole jump goes so quick, so it's kind of hard for you to be able to enjoy it throughout the, you know, because it's it's more like you're just you you're you're so focused on on what you're trying to do and trying to try to trying to get over that bar to where you know that little millisecond you have of getting over the bar is it's it's hard to explain but it's it's this combination of excitement relief and you know a lot of other a lot of other things and just this weight off your shoulder and it's a it's a nice free fall for sure especially when you make it and I know. We're concentrating on the process. I know that even with Sam Kendricks as well, it's, it's going to be a hectic. And even at Rio last time, there was a big surprise. Um, but the, the goal must be break the world record and become Olympic champion, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the ultimate goal. I mean, I think one's a little more important than the other. But, um, you know, as long as I, I go in there and, you know, I, I want to win the goal really bad. And if I'm able to do that, then, you know, whatever height it may be is – it's kind of a, it's kind of the secondary concern as far as now. You know, I, I, if you told me I jump five eighty and I win, then I would probably see pretty well at night, knowing that I still, I still have the goal. So I'm not really that worried about it. But um, you know, it, it may take something really high. It may take some over six meters. It may take world record type of stuff to even be able to win. So you know, I just have to be be ready for whatever whatever I got to do. And I know your your mother is a nutritionist, and uh, growing up, you, you uh, were really into the candy. I wondered whether uh, your you know like recent incredible form is because you've hit the, the the veggies, or whether it's still fueled by you know sugar. No, <laughs> I think um, I think it's a a combination of a lot of things. I mean, as as far as when I was a kid, I think I just liked doing the opposite of what my mom said more than more than that I liked anything else. But um, you know, I, I mean, I think diet is probably a pretty big thing. It's not as far as I don't have the, I mean, the most strict diet. I mean, I try to. I mean, I think calories, especially for me, is really important. If I'm training hard and I want to be fast and strong, and you know, I can't really. It's hard for me to like cut weight or gain weight or anything. I, I like where I'm at right now, so. Um, I think it was more like not going from, you know, this to, to super strict. It was more like just trying a little bit, you know, as long as I just, just trying a little bit and trying to cut out the stuff that was super unnecessary, which is, I mean, it's really wasn't that hard. There was a little, I mean, when I looked at what I was doing, it was a lot of stuff that I just didn't have to do. I didn't have to eat these chips or I didn't have to do that. And it, I mean, I didn't need to eat it. And I didn't really even care that much. So, you know, once I, once I cut out just kind of this the, the bullshit, then it ended up getting a lot better. You know, I know you're a massive baseball fan. The family as well, uh, huge baseball fans. Uh, Shohei Otani as well. You know, he, he's a big hero of yours. Um, what do you admire about him so much? I, I like when you know people do things that 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 other people don't think are possible, and especially when they make these big leaps and these big transitions and and they break barriers that that people didn't think were going to be broken, and you know, of course, that's something that I try to do when I step out on the track and you know, to see Otani doing the stuff that he was doing in the, you know, the Japanese league and kind of everybody thinking that it wasn't going to quite translate to MLB. And then he comes and does it even better than he was doing it before. It's I mean, it's it's great. I mean, I, I bought a jersey of his, I think, maybe three years ago before he even signed with an MLB team. So 
you know, I was always on that train even before he, you know, he's probably going to be MVP this year. Brilliant. Mondo, thank you so much. Good luck and uh, speak to you, speak to you soon. Appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good one. Olympic Channel Podcast. Men's pole vault qualification starts today. Dalila Mohammed is an Olympic and world champion. She missed out on London 2012 qualification by absolutely miles, by her own admission. It wasn't even a goal. Her progression since then has been outstanding. But even someone as dominant as Dalila now has moments of doubt. Olympic Channel Podcast. I think it's interesting when you read interviews with you and you say that you've had like doubt and and things like that in the past. And uh, I wonder to what extent are you satisfied with what you've achieved so far? I mean, I think all athletes, it's natural on any level to experience doubt. Um, it kind of comes with the territory. It's I think doubt is a little bit of fear too. You just, you, it's just, you don't know. And um, you want it so bad that it's almost those little things <laughs> kind of crept into your mind when you're really, really wanting something that bad. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say I'm, I'm, I think there is a level of satisfied. I definitely cannot, you know, say that there isn't. I, you know, when you name all of those accolades, it, there's, it's it's been a good career, I guess, if you know, on paper. Um, so there's definitely some satisfied, <laughs> I'm satisfied in, in a sense. <laughs> yeah, that's good because sometimes I guess there's that like burning desire where is it can can you ever be satisfied? And that's really good to hear that it's like yeah, no, actually it is satisfying. Good. <laughs> like that's good to hear. No, I think that I mean, yeah, I think you could definitely get there. It's like it's definitely hard not to be, I guess, sitting in my seat. Because when you look back and you know, missing out for the Olympics in twenty twelve and kind of, you know, where you were in twenty thirteen as kind of like unsponsored and you know, that's really brave. A lot of at that at that time, I guess some people around you whose opinion you respect were kind of saying, is it time? Or were there, you know, like, what, 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 what was everybody around you saying, come on, you, you want to do, you were born to do this? You know what? In all honesty, I think the majority of my people, the people around me was saying that, like, don't give up. Like, you definitely need to keep going. My college coaches, especially, um, I kind of, I remember having that conversation with them and just saying like, you know, I'm going to be done after I graduate after these Olympic trials in 2012. And I'm just being like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, like, if you don't at least do it for one more year, um, like you have to at least do it for one more year. Like, where do you want to be? We can help you. You can stay at SC. We can find a way. Um, and then that's kind of when I hooked up with my um, after career coach, my first career coach. Um, and I was like, you know what? I think I want to run with this athlete. It wasn't about the coach to me. It was just like, I think I want to run with this athlete, Lashinda Demas. She was, you know, the best 400 meter hurdler at the time and, you know, still one of the greats. And it was just that moment where I was like, you know what? That's who I want to train with. That's who I kind of want to be. That's the type of career I want to have. How do I get to train with her? And that's, so I had a lot of people, honestly, in my career, um, in my corner, really helping me kind of 
Like, let's push this forward. Even my parents, um, they were like, you know what? We're going to give you this year. We'll pay all your bills. So it was it was that kind of moment. It was just like, OK, there's a lot of people that do believe in me. And I'm I'm so thankful for that, because without it, it could have been a different story. Yeah, it would have been a different story if no one pays your bills. I think that's a bit that's it. That's one. That's that's an important thing. And, and it's great to have faith from someone like that. You know, it's a great position of strength to be in. And I mean, was there other like kind of more internal changes that that you had to make in terms of belief in order to make that jump from, you know, suffering that disappointment in 2012 to where you are now, you know, like one of the big favorites for Tokyo 2020? Yeah, I think even just from the 2012 to 2013, I think, my whole mindset completely changed. And it was at that moment, I think in 12 and just the disappointment, I absolutely was not going to make the Olympic team. It wasn't even a factor to me. It was just like, let's just get through this last race as a collegiate athlete, as a track and field athlete, period, and let's move on. Um, But just feeling that disappointment, it was just like, I knew I couldn't leave it behind. And I felt like if I was this upset about this single race that I was planning on it being my last race, it it just, it wasn't sitting with, with me right. And that moment kind of changed my mindset of just made me realize how much I loved running and how much I loved track and field and how much more I wanted to give to the sport. And I think since then, it's been that me just kind of having that moment to reflect on and Anytime it gets hard to where I'm like, you know what, let's push through this. I was looking as well on your Instagram profile this morning. In there on your profile is still the Sports Illustrated article, which I thought was an amazing article at the time. Um, And the title is Black Track Athletes Share Their Encounters with Racism in America. And I went back and I read it. Um, but I was I was taken aback about how lucidly you talk about that, you know, this issue in particular, and that you said that 2019 was an awakening for you. And I just wanted to, I wondered, you know, how much, you know, we're in a completely different situation even now, I guess. Um, looking back at 2019, I guess how important that was for you personally and, and why was it such an awakening for you? Well, I think, well, when I say it was an awakening, I think why I say that is because I think it's, I've always had that feeling that, you know, I think Rye was the one that's put it in his article and his statement that we just, as black athletes, you have this feeling that you have to do a lot more than your counterparts to, to receive less. Um, And I think, you know, it's always kind of been that feeling, but I think in that year in particular, it was, it was no longer a feeling. It was almost a fact. And I was, I became so aware of it and it was no longer, um, anyone can hide it. No one could, it was just what it was. And it was just like, you have to, this is, this is, this is your reality. And, um, we can do our best to work within it, but it's, it's not changing. And, and it wasn't, so I guess when I say it was an awakening. It was just that it was kind of more of a feeling that something you kind of hoped that wasn't true <laughs> and to just, just kind of find out or not that even finding out, but it just put into a huge perspective on how real this actually was. Um, 
Um, so yeah, I think at that moment I was trying to, you know, break a world record. I'm trying to win a championship and kind of have that pressure of knowing, well, this is what, you know, I have to do as a black athlete to, to get this type of recognition. And, um, so yeah, that was definitely like a, a hard year just mentally. And just, that's why I called it an awakening and it just really was important. I think it's so important to kind of just get it off your chest, say it out loud, put it in words, put it in writing and just to have other people hear it and to really make changes and to move forward. I think that's so important for the people behind us and even us now in the, in the, for the rest of our careers and just, yeah, we just have to move forward as a society. Olympic Channel Podcast. The full chat with Dalila is honestly amazing and I put a link in the show notes for that. Dalila actually goes into the Olympics as the former world record holder because Sydney McLaughlin, who she picked to the line at the World Championships in 2019, actually broke the world record at the US trials. Sydney also joined us on the pod a while back. Here she is talking about her hero, Sonia Richards-Ross. I distinctly remember watching in 2008 and seeing Sonia running. And just, I remember turning to my mom being like, I want to do that. And she was like, okay, great. And you know, here we are. Um, I remember those moments just looking and seeing myself in that same position and wanting to be able to, you know, accomplish the things that some of these amazing women have and just being able to have the opportunity to even, you know, possibly do that. Just, it excites me just to know that that little girl inside of me is getting her opportunity to go. To the big stage. Honestly, I can't wait. I literally can't wait for that race. The prelims in the women's 400 meter hurdles are today. Keep up or catch up with everything that's happening at the games with our live blog at olympics.com. Okay, that is it for now. Stay safe, stronger together. See you tomorrow. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.